I want to speak to you tonight from the final verses of this psalm, 126. The verses 5 and 6. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. The story is told of a preacher on a visit to London, standing in front of Westminster Abbey. An elderly lady was in a group of tourists visiting the Abbey on that occasion. And the guide was showing the people around. He was explaining the history behind the abbot. And the elderly lady interrupted him and said, Young man, young man, will you stop your chatter for a moment and tell me one thing? Has anyone been saved here lately? And of course, you can imagine the consternation amongst that group and on the part of the guide as well. But that really is the question that should be asked of every church. Has anyone been saved here lately? Someone has said, if a man has a soul, and he has, and if that soul can be won or lost for eternity, and it can then the most important work in the world is to bring men and women and young people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone has also said that the greatest sit-down strike in the world is in our churches, where those who claim to be saved have never become fishers of men. And there's a challenge to all our hearts there. Because the Lord said, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. In these verses of Scripture tonight we have before us, in Psalm 126, it outlines for us the law of harvest. It is simple and straightforward and sure. You not only reap what you sow, but if you sow, you are guaranteed to reap. If we will sow the seed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are guaranteed to reap for eternity. That is the law of the spiritual harvest. That God has given to us in his word. And these verses before us comprise God's word for God's witness. This is God's promise to the soul winner. When we are told three wonderful things here. How to put the law of harvest into practice. That people might be one for Christ. That we might have a harvest in the field we call the world. The Bible says the words of the Lord Jesus in the fourth chapter of John in the verse 35. I say unto you, lift up your eyes 
And look on the fields that are white already to harvest. May God give us a vision of this world in which we live. May God give us as individuals tonight a burden for our families and for our neighbors. And for our communities, for our towns, our cities, our villages, our country areas. That we might see souls brought into the family and fold of the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, we see here the soul winner working. The psalmist compares the work of the soul winner to that of a farmer. In both verses, the emphasis is upon sowing and reaping. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Verse 5. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Verse 6. And soul winning in many ways is like farming. The farmer goes out with the seed. He casts the seed upon the ground. Believing that that seed will take root and grow. And God wants us all. In that same sense. In the spiritual sense. To be faithful. And fruitful. Sowing the gospel seed. Across the acreage of this world. Reaching men and women and boys and girls. With the glorious gospel. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And surely these words tell us tonight that soul winning is a hard work. It's a hard work to break up hard ground. It's a hard work to fertilize and to weed and to cultivate. But it's very simple to sow the seed. It's a simple task that God has given us to do. If you want to be a soul winner, there are two things that you must do. First of all, you must go continuously. The Bible says, he that goeth forth. Activity is involved. Continuous activity. This is a labor-intensive exercise. A continuous labor for the Lord Jesus Christ. We have got to go forth with the gospel. The number one priority of the church is not to come to church. Of course, we want people to come to church. But it is, as believers in Christ, to go from the church and to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this word, go, is a little word, and yet it has great meaning. A Christian who will not go is like a ship that will not sail, like a plane that will not fly, like a car that will not drive. On one occasion, a little boy got a toy car for Christmas, and it stopped working, and he took it to his father, and he said, Dad, I think the go has broke. I think the goal has broke. And you know, that's what's wrong with many churches today. The goal has broke. The going forth 
with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ has ceased. Let that never be the case in the Free Presbyterian Church. Let us never sit on our hands, but let us ever reach out to a lost world. And over more than 70 years, the Free Presbyterian Church has been a going church, not only in Northern Ireland, but across the world, as we've heard something of even this evening. The message going out across this world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Did you know that there's not one word in the Bible that commands a lost sinner to go to church? Of course, again, we want them to come to church. But there is verse after verse in the Bible that commands the church to go to the lost sinner. The Bible teaches us in the 14th chapter of Luke's Gospel that we are to go out into the streets and lanes of the city and compel those that are there to come in. We're to go out into the highways and hedges and compel those that are there to come in under the sound of the Word of God. The Bible says, go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. The Great Commission. And again, the word of God says in Acts chapter 1, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, down to the uttermost parts of the world. The witness of the church is to be a simultaneous witness. Not only here in Northern Ireland, and not only here in Great Britain, but right across the world. The gospel is to go out. We are to go continuously. Not once. Not twice. Not three times. But go continuously. Don't be discouraged if you've gone and gone and have not seen that person come to Christ. For the word of God says... In Galatians 6 and verse 9, let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. When I was ministering in Balagan, was a man came there for over 40 years. He'd been there right from the start of the witness. Right from the mission, even before the church was constituted and formed into a congregation. Sat in missions. Sat in services. Morning and evening services. Other meetings that were convened in the church. During the last year of my ministry, I detected that this man was troubled. The first time I recognized the change as he sat and listened to God's word. I went back again and again on visits to his home. He hadn't been keeping so well. His brother had been ill and his brother passed away. There seemed to be a great impact upon this man with his brother's passing. I went continuously. Then one day, the 11th of November, Remembrance Day, 
I got a call from his daughter, eight o'clock in the morning, saying, Mr. Snyder, Dad wants to see you today. I had an appointment, but I went. Do you believe it? At 11 o'clock on the 11th day of November, the 11th hour, that man said, Mr. Smiley, I'd been to visit him the day before. He said, I should have got saved yesterday. I said, Robbie, you can get saved now. And gloriously and wonderfully, I came to Christ. You see, all those years, men had been going with the gospel to this man. Only me, but my predecessors in the church, the ministry there. And God saved him. The eleventh day at the eleventh hour, he came to Christ. Isn't that amazing? You see, go continuously. And of course, we must not only do that, but we must so consistently. Bearing the precious seed. The word used there, leaving a trail of seed. That's the sense. And here a farmer walking up and down one furrow after another, just continually dropping seed. That's the way it used to be done in the old days. I know they have modern ways of doing it now, but I can remember back in Fermanagh where I was brought up on the farm there near Newton Butler. I can remember my father and watching him as a boy, six or seven years of age. He was walking up and down, sowing the seed. I was amazed at what he was doing. That's how he did it. That's how it was done in those days. Up and down each furrow, across the whole expanse of the field. Not only one field, but several fields. And God has given us that job to do as soul winners. In the Sunday school, in the children's meeting, wherever it is, in your workplace, in this town where God has placed you, or in the district where you live, dropping the seeds of the gospel into the hearts of men and women and boys and girls. This is the soul winner's job, to sow the seed. As you well know, seed has only one purpose. It is to be sown. Seed that is not sown is absolutely useless. My wife will say, as far as the garden is concerned, why is that seed still lying in the drawer in the garage? Why has it not been sown? I will say, Typical man thing. I'll get round to it sometime. But you know, it has to be sown. There's no use sitting in the drawer. Not going to do any good there. And so we must drop the gospel seed into somebody's heart and then simply let God do the rest of the work. 
Every Thursday, I walk up and down the landings of Magabry Prison, dropping the seed, presenting the Word of God to men. Every Sunday morning at nine o'clock in the prison in Magabry, I am there dropping the seeds of the gospel into the hearts of men who come to the service. It's only one aspect. But you know, it's sowing the seed. Think of the life of Christ. He was always going. He was going from place to place. He was always sowing. You think of John chapter 4. That wonderful example, the one-to-one conversation that the Lord Jesus Christ had with the woman at Jacob's well. And how he went to her and he conversed to her in human terms about water. And then he spoke to her about the living water, which if she drank of, she would never thirst again. He was sowing the seed. And how that seed sprung up an abundant harvest in the life of that woman changing her life. And that seed maybe that has been sown in your heart in this very congregation over years and uh, maybe uh, through Sunday school or through your early life and up to now, the seed has been sown. That seed can bear forth fruit even tonight for the glory and for the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. The seed is the word of God. Matthew 13. And therefore this seed is guaranteed to bring a harvest. Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 and 11. Look at these words of Scripture. The 55th chapter of Isaiah and verses 10 and 11. And see what it says. As the rain, for as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. It shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. You see, my friend, this is the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. It is precious seed. It is powerful seed because the Bible says that the Word of God is quick and powerful. That means it's living. This is living seed. This is preeminent seed. This is productive seed. I was reading a story of a Christian man's wife who was an atheist. And she was very ill and and he went to his minister and he said, My wife's very ill, but she's an atheist. I've been praying for her. The minister said, I'll go and see her. Oh, she won't receive you. But the minister was very persistent and he pressed the matter and eventually he got to see the lady. 
He persuaded her to read the Gospel of John. He said, would you read the Gospel of John? And at first she was very dismissive. But then as he left the room, she said she consented the fact that she would. The next Sunday morning she appeared at church. She said to the preacher, I didn't get past the first chapter. Her life was changed. The incorruptible seed planted in her heart had borne forth a harvest to eternal life. She responded to the gospel of the first chapter of John. The seed. But then I want you to see secondly in this passage here tonight, these verses, the soul winners weeping. They that sow in tears, verse 5, shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed. Soul winning is not just a matter of the head, it's a matter of the heart. You see, it's the weeping that motivates the working. And the reason why we do not witness more than we do is because we do not care more than we do. You think of the football match, the cheering that goes on, and the crying that goes on when the team loses or are relegated. Far more so than the church crying out over souls. The hymn writer put it like this, Weep or the erring one, lift up the fallen, tell them of Jesus, the mighty to save. We tell our children not to cry. There's something wrong when we don't cry. It ought to be natural for a church to weep over a lost world. Are you weeping over this town? Are you weeping over your family? Are you weeping over your work colleagues? Are you weeping over this world that is in the hold of the wicked one? Someone has aptly described our day as the generation of the unbowed head, the unbended knee, and the unbroken heart. F.B. Meyer, great preacher, he said this, and I quote, I believe that there is one thing which pierces the master's heart with unutterable grief. It is not the world's iniquity, but the church's indifference. Oh, that we might weep over souls. Remember, Jesus wept. Remember the tears of Christ. He wept over Jerusalem. He was moved with compassion. His inward being was moved. The Bible speaks of the broken heart. The contrite spirit. I was reading again recently one of my favorite Reading is that of Robert Murray McShane, the great Scottish preacher. 
And I was reading concerning him that he wept in the pulpit as he preached. He wept at his desk as he prepared for his pulpit ministrations. He wept in the secret place. In fact, someone who was visiting St. Peter's Dundee was shown the pulpit cushion, the stains of the tears. They were able to point out these are the stains of the tears of Robert Murray McShane as he preached the word of God. A broken heart, weeping. A lady who was blind because the tear ducts in her eyes dried up. No matter how broken her heart was and crushed her spirit, she could not cry. As a result, sadly, she eventually lost her sight. And you know, a lot of us are spiritually barren and blind because we've lost the ability to weep. The problem with the church of this modern day is that it is filled with technology, but it is empty of tears. We all benefit from technology, of course, and use it for a good reason. But let the church not be empty of tears. Let us be broken for our families. Let us be broken for our neighborhoods. For the lost around us. And then we have the soul winners worshipping. You know, one of the highest forms of worship we can give to God is when we share the gospel of his beloved son and try to bring people into his kingdom. And God promises a special blessing to anyone who will worship through him through obedience and planting the seed of the gospel in the fertile fields of the lost world. You'll notice here in verses 5 and 6, a soul winner's rejoicing, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. And the greatest joy of the Christian life is when you win people for Christ. See, it's Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, said this, Even if I were utterly selfish and had no care for anything but my own happiness, I would choose, if I might under God, be a soul winner. For never did I know perfect, overflowing, unutterable happiness of the purest, most ennobling order until I first heard of someone who had sought and found the Savior through my witness. No young mother so rejoiced over her firstborn child. No warrior was so thrilled over a hard-won victory. The words of C.H. And what a soul winner he was. What a mighty soul winner he was. Under God, to the glory of his name. Yes, men and women, tonight we ought to go, we ought to sow, and when we sow, we will grow, and as we grow, we will glow. 
And those that sow in tears shall reap with joy. And they're rejoicing. There's no greater rejoicing. Having spent well over 40 years in the pastoral ministry, there is no greater joy than that of leading souls to Christ. I still get that joy to this very day if under God I have the privilege of leading a soul to Christ. Whether it's a little boy or girl or whether it's a young person or someone of middle-aged or someone toward the end of life. The soul winner's reaping. It talks about reaping here. Reap in joy. Bringing his sheaves with him. It's a sure harvest because God guarantees it. It's a sweet harvest because it brings rejoicing. It's a satisfying harvest because we shall reap souls for Christ. Not about glory for man. Not about a church. Denomination is the glory of his name. Glory of our. The soulmaner's reward. Look at it. Bringing his sheaves with him. Verse 6. When harvest time came in Bible days, the farmer would cut the grain, tie it in bundles, lay it in the path to be carried to the threshing floor. I can remember those days too when the corn in those days was gathered. It was put in stooks as they said in those days, and then it was put on a trailer and it was carried to the thresher. All of that work was done. Reaping the golden grain. We look around us tonight and we see the emblems of the harvest and the goodness of God to us in a material sense. But oh, my dear friend, that we might reach the souls of men and women and gather in that harvest of lost souls. Bundling them up with the cords of the grace of God, getting them ready to go to the great harvester, laying them down at his feet. Him writer penned the words, Go then ever weeping, sowing for the master. Though the loss sustained, our spirit often grieves. When our weeping's over, he will bid us welcome. We shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. A preacher was holding an evangelistic campaign in one of the great cities of America. At the end of that mission, there was a young woman there standing, waiting till everyone had gone. After the final meeting of the mission to tell the preacher that many years ago he'd visited her home as a young preacher and he'd led her and her mother to Christ. The harvest. That's what it's all about. The law of harvest. May God help us tonight, each one, to keep the law of harvest, to be working and weeping and worshipping until Jesus comes or calls. The Bible says, Occupy till I come. 
And remember this. It's only what's done for Jesus May God help us to be soul winners for Christ, to win the lost for the Savior, to bring souls into the kingdom of God. If you're not saved tonight, let me introduce you to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the only one that can save you. Church can't save you. Communion can't save you. Baptism can't save you. No ceremony or ritual of a church can save you. Only Christ can save you. He can save you tonight. I trust if you're not saved, you'll come to him. Know his salvation in your heart and life. May God bless you. Thank you for listening.